Hello and welcome to Under the Covers, the podcast from Westminster Libraries. I'm Anne Carroll. This month, I'm joined by Ashley Barnard. Ashley works for Westminster City Council. She's an IT strategic business partner. And in this role, she's a bit of a matchmaker, helping IT to understand the particular needs of other departments, such as adult social care, thus ensuring that they get the exact technical support they need. Ashley's home is Australia, and as with so many people, she's had to cope with being unable to visit her family these last two years. Hello, Ashley. I happen to know that you're a big reader. Your bedside table must be groaning under the weight of books, but what's on top of the pile? Thanks, Anne. I am a big reader, and one book that's never far away from my bedside table is The Messenger, or as it's also known in the UK, I Am the Messenger by Marcus Uzak. I first read this book about 15 years ago in high school as a study text, and I reread it every year for a few years afterwards. I'm definitely a rereader of books. That's something I am not ashamed to admit at all. So, Uzak is an Australian author who has written some beautiful books, but The Messenger is the one that stands out for me the most. The book is set in Australia, so as an Aussie, it's always nice to read something that feels familiar to where I grew up. The book allows you to reflect on the story of your own life through the story of Ed, our main character. Questions like, do you have a purpose? Are you fulfilling your potential? Or are you just floating by? The book touches on some very intense issues, but Zizak does it in a way that isn't too overwhelming. After all, it is written for a teenage audience, so it is a fairly easy read. There are many characters throughout the whole themes of the book, and every time I read it, I focus on something different. I get more out of the story each time from a different character. It sounds like a particularly uplifting read for these times, do you think? Definitely. And as I mentioned, I'm a rereader of books. So in in times like this, sometimes it is nice to go back to something that you know, maybe come at it from a different angle and, and you just get that comfortable feeling of coming home. So brilliant. I am the messenger or the messenger. Anything else on that pile of books you'd like to talk about? Yeah, actually, one book I started reading this year is called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. I probably pronounced his surname wrong there, but it'll be a book I'll read throughout the whole year this year. So chapter by chapter, I'll work through it with my mentor. So this is something that we've done with previous books, and we both found it was such a nice way to structure our mentor sessions. And it's a really lovely way to break down those big, heavy books. I find I can fly through a teenage fiction, young adult fiction, rom-com those kind of books in no time but to try reading a book like thinking fast and slow in one hit it can feel like a real challenge so by setting a target each fortnight it makes it that little bit more manageable yeah because it is a big book isn't it it is it's quite meaty I was looking at a review, actually, and one of the things I liked was that it described it as giving techniques to guard against the mental glitches that often get us into trouble. So that sounds like it could be quite useful. (laughs) I'm only into the introduction so far, but that sounds like something that I will definitely need in my toolkit coming into 2022. (laughs) I love that idea of working through the book with somebody else. I've not come across that before. That's a lovely idea. How did you think of that? It was an online learning material and we found a book that was recommended through this material and we had started doing a a mentor relationship but we weren't quite sure how to 
change the themes up every week. And then what we were seeing through this video was there were some really clear headings through each of the chapters. So we thought that might be a really nice way actually to just break out those sessions every every fortnight. And it's really great because you can read it, contextualize it, make it make sense to you. And then we come back in the next fortnight and discuss it. And it's, it's a really lovely way to do it. If anyone's looking for a mentor relationship, but not quite sure how to start, I'd suggest doing this. Just find a book that you want to read, professional or personal development and find someone to read it with you. That's lovely. That's that's kind of like a very personal book club, but you're also gaining other things from it. Absolutely. Is mentoring a technique that you'd really recommend? It is, yeah. There's there's a difference between um, mentoring and coaching that I think people sometimes get a little bit confused about. Mm. But mentoring, it, it feels to me more like a longer term relationship. So in this case, it's been a beautiful relationship because Amma is somebody that I've worked with for many years. She was my my direct line manager for about two years. And now this is a way that I can keep in touch with her and keep in contact with her going forward. Whereas some people, they might be better suited to a coaching relationship where they've got something specific that they'd like to work on. And then you can find someone who can help you with that in that moment. Whereas mentoring, it's it's a little bit more, it, it feels more personal. But going back to when you started reading, were you an early reader? Have you always loved reading? I absolutely have always loved reading. I can't remember when I started reading and I did check with my mum to see, was I an early reader? Was I just a normal reader? And she thinks it was fairly normal, but I had an older, have an older sister. And so I think when you're a middle or a second child, you sort of just learn off your older siblings. So there was no distinction as to when I started reading, but ever since I started, I've, I've basically never stopped. How much I read changes at different times in the year, depending on what else is going on. Um, as an example, during the pandemic, I actually found that at the beginning, I couldn't get into reading, which was really disappointing. I just couldn't focus, but it it didn't last long. So I was back to it soon enough. And I've always got a book on the go, no matter where I'm going or what's happening in the moment. Even if I'm going out for an evening, I make sure that I have a bag that's big enough that will fit a book. Hey, our kind of person. (laughs) um, Were you taken to libraries as a kid? Absolutely. Yeah. Libraries have always been a huge part of my life. And I do remember being quite young and getting my first library card. And I was so excited because I could check out five books and I could take Mm. them home and come back and swap them. Uh, But my local library had a limit for younger children. So I think it was about when you turn 10 or maybe 12 years old, you got almost like a, a senior library card and you went from five books to 15 books. Wow. And I just remember being so excited. It was such a privilege. It was such a responsibility. I had my little library bag and I felt so grown up and we would just go back there every week and, and check out the new books that were coming through. Um, and currently my my mum actually works in a library in a high school back in Australia. Mm. Yeah. So not as a librarian, but as a library technician. So she's sort of the, the keeper of books of the high school. So she's always looking for new trends in what high school kids are looking for and what they need to have available for them in their studies as well. And local libraries are definitely still a part of my life now as an adult. So I've lived in a few places, a few different cities, two different countries. And one of the first things I do is I always find the local library and sign up for a library card. They've always been such a safe haven for me and no doubt they are for others as well. Did you say your your mum is keeper of the books? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I don't know if she gives herself that title, but it's a way a way to explain her role oh it sounds fantastic almost um, something out of game of thrones <laughs> <laughs> so growing up in australia what were your ambitions 
my first dream job was to be a presenter on a program called Getaway. And it's a travel show that used to air in Australia. I thought it would be just the best job, getting paid to travel and telling everyone about your experiences. And then I changed into something a little bit more realistic. I thought maybe I won't be able to get on TV. So I changed my sights to wanting to become a journalist. I did my work experience at one of the major papers in Victoria called the Herald Sun. And that just absolutely solidified that as a career path for me. So I came back after that week away in the city, talked to my careers advisor about how to to get into that career. And it turned out that the entry score needed to get into a Bachelor of Communications at the time was 96. So to put that into perspective, to get into a medical degree that same year, you only needed 94. So I I wasn't a bad student, but I wasn't that good. And to think that journalism was, I don't know if it was more important or more prestigious than a medical degree, but I needed to find a new career path. So what happened then when you decided that you weren't going to pursue the journalist route? Yeah, I I was a little bit lost for a while there because my my dream career was to be a a journalist on TV. My more realistic career was to be a journalist in writing. Um, So I wasn't really sure what to do, but I was fortunate enough to turn a summer job at a local optometrist into an apprenticeship. So that gave me a a few years of, of solid work and solid education. So I did a certificate in optical dispensing for a couple of years. Um, It was a lovely job to have. It was really great. And I enjoyed so many aspects of it. But there came a time where I I wanted to move on. So I started working two jobs part time. Uh, One was at a pub on the weekend, and the other was working for a local council. So the pub job, the idea there was to give me some bartending skills, which I thought would help me in my aspirations to move overseas. It was an awesome job. It was so much fun, but it was only on the weekends. So I needed another job to build on that. The first job I had within a council was a CIO, which is a community information officer, not a chief information officer, which (laughs) There's quite a few levels between the two jobs. So that one was for Latrobe City Council. And the role was totally mixed. I worked in libraries, call centres, front desks, information spots all over the council. It was totally varied and I absolutely loved the role. One day I was answering calls about missed bin collections. And then the next day I'd be reading books to kids at story time or checking books out to my grandparents who would come and visit me at the library. So it was a, a really lovely job and I was very fortunate with the opportunities that came from working at the council. How lovely. So you you really are dedicated to libraries, aren't you? And you understand them, obviously. I do, yeah. What then took you abroad? I wanted to be somewhere different, but that I could still speak English. Although I learned pretty quickly that the UK English and Australian English have some very unique differences. (laughs) Dare I ask? I do. I've got a couple. So things like um, vegetables, they, there seems to be a real difference there. So eggplant versus aubergines, mm-hmm. um, zucchini versus courgette, some very just typical cultural things. So things like soccer versus football. I get mm-hmm. in a lot of trouble for that one. Uh, chips versus crisps. So we call everything that's vaguely chip-like in Australia a chip. And that makes for some interesting conversations around hot chips versus <laughs> cold chips. <laughs> Well, thanks for the language class as well. (laughs) 
So there's a theme here. You've been working in councils. You've taken the decision to leave Australia and you've come to Westminster Council. How did that come about? It was really the only council that I knew coming from a different country. I knew it was central and I knew I wanted to work there. I got a role with the Triborough legal team quite a few years ago. So I will always be forever grateful for that opportunity. They were an awesome team, so supportive and so welcoming. And I'm, I'm still in touch with quite a lot of them now, which I'm, I'm very fortunate for. That was at a time when Office 365 or Microsoft 365 was just being introduced into councils. And a lot of my projects in the legal team were based around what was happening in IT. So we were looking for ways to make the department more agile and Office 365 was key to that. So I did a bit of work across both legal and and IT. And then eventually I started working for IT full time. What would a typical day be like in this role where you're kind of like a conduit between IT and other departments so that they can talk with each other? Is, or is that too simplistic a description? No, it's a, it's a good introduction for sure. So a, a typical day in the role might be made up of meeting with my colleagues from my different business areas. So for me at the moment, that is growth planning and housing and adult social care. Uh, we might talk about some projects that are coming up for them that have any kind of an IT component. I work with them to then write a project proposal and then I help them to navigate through the IT governance steps. So we're making sure that we're keeping us safe, we're keeping them safe and everything is done correctly. Some weeks, I might be preparing briefings for counsellors or for heads of department about what's happening in IT and those different business areas. And I suppose at the heart of the role, I'm an advocate for IT. So I'm writing blog pieces, Yammer articles, and I may give an update at a team meeting or a department meeting about the latest messages coming from IT. And I try to do that in a way that makes it palatable for people. So it's not just technical words being thrown at you. It's actually something that resonates and makes sense. Communication is so important across all the departments in the council. So everything I try to do, I try to do and make it accessible and understandable. That's the word, isn't it? Communication. Communication is key. You're actually, having given up your journalistic dreams some years ago, you're in the communications business anyway. I am, yeah. I've, I've somehow managed to, to tie that into the role. So with those communication pieces like the blogs and um, Art Yammer articles, also in a previous role in the technology adoption team, I would write training guides and run webinars. So some of those elements of that early dream of being a getaway presenter, it's starting to come out in, in those roles. It's almost like your dream job has come to you, but in a different form from the way you thought it was going to arrive. Definitely. Yeah. I've gone a little bit of a roundabout way, but I've somehow still ended up having some of those journalistic aspirations have, have been able to make their way into my role. Whether I've done that maybe unconsciously or consciously, I, I probably have to sit and think on that for a moment. But it's interesting to think that maybe things can work out, even if it doesn't seem apparent in the first place, that somehow things will come to you if you want them enough. Or does that yeah. sound a little bit too life lesson -y? No, that's the thing. There's never one direct pathway or one only pathway to get to where you want. There's always these different ways that you just would never, never know that you're going to end up where you've wanted to end up. But that must have taken some tenacity. I, I would say so. Yeah. You've worked hard for it, no doubt. <laughs> I have, yes. 
Westminster Council has a number of staff networks, and I know that you're a member of one of them, the Westminster Women's Network. What made you want to join the Women's Network? The original thing I saw was an event organised by the network, which was a session with the then leader, Councillor Nikki Aiken. So she was doing an open forum where women from the council could come in and talk to her about how to position yourself for future leadership positions. And then she gave a bit of an update on how she got to where she had got to as well. So to hear from her was such an eye-opening experience. And it was events like that that made me keep going back. So working in IT, there aren't usually many chances to network with women. But I must say that in the current Viborough IT team, we do have a number of amazing women in the team. We could always do with more though, as all IT departments could. Uh, So joining the Women's Network was a way for me to learn about more about what my women colleagues were doing across the council. At the time, there wasn't a lot of internal social media or opportunities to share the awesome things that women were doing out there. But now there's a few more platforms. So that makes the events even bigger and more exciting. Next month, March the 8th, is International Women's Day. Is that an event of importance to you? I think it's such a lovely day to remind people to pay attention to what the women in your life are doing. It's an empowering day. And there are so many people who deserve to be recognised for what they're doing in the home, in the office, out in the community, sometimes all three. And they're so often quiet about their achievements. So International Women's Day, it gives us a chance to recognise those women and give them the self-esteem to be proud of what they're doing and share those amazing stories. As with so many people, you've been physically separated from your family in Australia for these last two years. What's that been like? It's been tough. It has really been tough. The last time we were back in Australia was Christmas 2019. So the timing couldn't have been more perfect with everything that came after December 2019. COVID was a thing, but it was really only a thing in China. So there weren't too many restrictions on travel like there are now. But it it is definitely hard being away from family. I think moving halfway across the world, it's daunting, but it's also a little bit comforting to know that in 24 four hours, you can get home if you need to. With the pandemic, that was completely taken away. So that that was really, really tough. In terms of making up for what we were missing, though, we, we've now got regular catch-ups with our families. I think we've spent more time on digital calls like Zoom and Facebook and things like that. Pub quizzes, we've gotten very, very good at pub quizzes. <laughs> so we, we just try to make sure that we're, we're keeping up as well as we can with all the tools and technology that can help us with that. When do you envisage managing to get back, do you know? Depending on what happens with restrictions, as we know, Australia's border restrictions change daily. So we're not sure in terms of whether it'll go ahead, but we've got the plan in place. We're ready to go. We just need the green light to get on that plane and we will be back as soon as we can. Do you ever envisage moving back home permanently or do you feel that you've made a new home in the UK? If you ask that question on different days of of me, I think you'll get a different answer. (laughs) At the moment, I would say that for the foreseeable future, the UK is is definitely the home. As long as the UK will have me, I'm going to stay. It's a a short to medium term plan with the longer term plan, something that will come with different opportunities that will no doubt come as well. Yeah, I, I wonder if when you get back home for your visit, whether you'll see things differently then. I'm I'm just thinking, hasn't Kylie Minogue decided that she's actually going to move back permanently to Australia, having lived here for a really long time? 
She has, yeah, yeah. So she moved back just before Christmas. I mean, I say that like I know her, but I've just read it <laughs> in the papers. <laughs> <laughs> not, not all Aussies know each other personally, but yeah, there, there definitely is times where you think, oh, maybe, maybe the UK isn't the place I want to be. But as, as hard as it has been during lockdown, it's also been really nice to be here during lockdown too, because as you may know from from the news, that Australia had the world's longest lockdown. So it's it's not the place you want to be during a, a time like this. But I think that the beauty is that we've got the option to be in both places. So if we can try and make that work, as long as international travel stays open or opens up a little bit more than it is, then we can go back to that comforting feeling, knowing that we can get back to Australia in 24 hours rather than having to wait two years. And in the meantime, you enjoy living in London? Absolutely. Yeah. I must say, though, I, I miss London. Like, even though we've been here for six and a half oh. years, we haven't been able to actually, like, I can see the city from my window. It's quite far away, but I haven't spent a lot of time out there recently. So we're trying to get back to exploring the city. Even though we've been here a little while, we, we still feel like tourists. So every now and then we'll, we'll book a day and we'll go to the theatre and we'll go out in Soho and go ice skating and, and do all those things that drew us here in the first place. So I'm looking forward to getting back out there in 2022. Yeah, along with everybody. Yeah, it's going to be crowded out there, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Ashley, thank you so much for taking part today. And I wonder if before we go, would you remind us of the books that you spoke to us about? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the first book was The Messenger or I Am The Messenger by Marcus Uzak. And the second book that I mentioned there was Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Finally, from me, uh, just a reminder that you can check out our library services, physical and online, by going to www westminster.gov.uk forward slash libraries. Thanks again, Ashley, and thank you for listening. And I hope you'll join us again next month. Goodbye. <laughs>